Just how did he get that Vespa to Spain? I am not the Pope's exorcist, but I am the last video store manager of the last video store in the universe. Coming to you from that video store in sunny tropical Akron, Ohio, giving you my instant reaction to the Pope's exorcist. I just left the movie theater. I sit down in front of a microphone. I tell you what I think, formulate my thoughts in real time. And if you'd like to have these instant reactions even more instantaneously, you need to go to patreon.com slash binge movies and subscribe there at any level. You'll get these more instantaneously and uncut. That's where I go into spoilers and uh, ramble a bit more and do more galaxy brain stuff uh, as it occurs to me, as the spirit moves me, as it were. Okay, the Pope's Exorcist. Um, I'm not going to cover spoilers or anything like that. I'm going to kind of give you my general impressions of the movie, talk about it a little bit, give you a score, let you know whether or not it's worth your hard-earned dollars this weekend at the movie theater. Um, I thought this, this, the, the trailers for this made it look absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. To the point that it was laugh out loud. I mean, you got Russell Crowe, who's full-blown into his late-stage Orson Welles' Rosebud P part of his career, tooling around on a moped that's just a little too small for him. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, doing a Father Guido Sarducci level, slightly adjacent from Zeus sort of accent work here. He, he could have fit in in the Super Mario Brothers movie better than Chris Pratt with this accent. Uh, it's a me, the Pope's exorcist. Uh, do you believe in God? Uh, I'm not even doing it justice, but it's, it was bad, right? It's a bad accent. It's silly, you know. Do you believe in God? You know, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a me, a Jesus, like that kind of a thing. And um, it just looks silly. And it's let's let's not let's let's not belabor this too far. But come on, it's called the Pope's Exorcist. And the way that first reads to you is the Pope needs an exorcism, right? This guy has been been brought in to exorcise a demon from the Pope. That, that is the feeling of it. And I, you understand, and I understood that what it meant was that he is an ordinad under the Pope. He is ordained by the Pope for the purpose of exorcism, that he holds a special uh, 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 seat, a special, um, what's their office, uh, under, under the direct supervision of the Pope for the purpose of exorcisms. I understood that. And I understand that position exists. In fact, there's a department of exorcism when you, call, you can call the Vatican and find out yourself. Not a joke. So I understood that. I understood this movie was going to be based on a true story, kind of conjuring sort of where to take the bare minimum of the fact that this guy exists. He worked for the Pope. He cast out demons, uh, allegedly. He wrote books about de demonology. Uh, and he was thus, uh, uh, and then everything else is going to be pure comic book stuff. And that's pretty much what it is. What I did know was the movie was going to be a mix of between The Conjuring, which I predicted, Columbo, and National Treasure. Because who Russell Crowe really is, is the Holy See's Columbo. He is the Pope's Columbo. His main job is to go around and investigate purported demonic possessions and to determine whether or not an exorcism is needed. And by and large, in most cases, it's not needed. And I think they cite 98% of the time, you don't need an exorcism. They either need attention or it's drugs or it's mental illness. And then you just refer them to 
as psychiatrists, psychologists. But that other 2% is harder to explain. And sometimes in that 2%, there are real demons. And of course, this, is, this story takes place in the 1980s, and so there's a more modernized Catholic church. And they're getting away from a literal belief in a personal Satan uh, or, a, or a force of evil in the world. They see it more as sort of a, an archaic way of explaining different maladies and conditions and you know, the human condition or whatever. Right? It's a, sort of a more liberal approach to uh, you know, theology. So, um, and of course, here's this guy going around on a little Vespa, <laughs> you know, purporting to cast out demons. So that's, you know, going to raise the ire of certain people. Uh, but that's what the movie really is. The movie is really, he is sort of a comical, intentionally comical character, exceptionally charismatic. And about a quarter of the way into the film, I'm watching and I'm going, okay, I, I the threadbare plot and, 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 and characterization for the family that is, this serves as the central story for this film, I could care less about. The, the convoluted uh, Rube Goldberg machinations of the plot, which I'll get into in spoilers, I don't really care. It's kind of, some of it's kind of fun. Some of it, honestly, is sort of more sinister, uh, no pun intended, than the movie really gives it time. Like, the ideas are not given enough time to breathe. Because by the time we figure out what's going on, it's just sort of like exposition dump. Where it's like, well, this is this, and this is this, and this is this, so therefore we got to do this. Whereas if you really kind of sit and think about the ideas, they are either going to be really city or silly or really insidious. Really sit with them like, oh, this is really, really sort of a disturbing implication if you think about it. Um, and, and kind of more the most disturbing thing in the movie. Um, but, but again, a quarter of the way through, I'm like, okay, I, I've chalked all this stuff up as kind of a loss. These are not good actors in the family roles. A mom and th- two kids. And moms and two kids in these movies love moving into spooky mansions. And um, I'll get to that more of that in a second. But what I did instantly resonate with is this Russell Crowe, what he's doing here is silly. And it's sort of stupid. And the movie is kind of aware of that. Yet at the same time, it still kind of takes him serious and the world he's in serious enough that it allows him to be very charismatic and a certain portion of the movie, a little bit on into that. There's another priest that's introduced a local priest from Spain, father Tomas. Um, uh, and I'm like, okay, I want father uh, Gabriel and father Tomas as Holmes and Watson as like a you know, Vatican Colombo and his partner. And I want them to have adventures together. Like unsolving, like solving deep mysteries of the Vatican. Because here's the thing: I don't mean this in any way that's offensive whatsoever to anybody who is a devout Catholic. Catholicism, and and I would say probably um, Orthodox, uh, the Orthodox tradition, either Greek or Eastern Orthodox, those are the two closest things on planet Earth, as far as especially as the three Abrahamic religions go. Those are the two expressions of. Uh, Christianity in particular, that are the most mythical in how long they've been around in the Jedi-ness of it all. It, it, they, it, they, you know, there are these ancient abbeys, these ancient cathedrals, 
books that are thousands of years old, monks in robes, hidden orders, um, you know, uh, uh, books of mystics, Dead Sea sayings, um, you know, the Philokalia, Cloud of Unknowing, Dark Night of the Soul, you know, uh, all this sort of stuff. It all feels very, it's like the closest thing we have to Hogwarts or the closest thing we have to Jedi or the closest thing that we have to mi- mysticism. That's just what it is. It's myth. There's a mythic and mystical element to all of those things. And yes, I know that one precedes the other. And so uh, that obviously there, 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 there has been a um, absconding with sacred imagery through fiction for the purpose of telling stories, either as a critique against the church or as uh, just simply borrowing the imagery, because it's something that we can, you know, especially in the ancient world in ancient times that pretty much anybody in the Western world could relate to because they had some sort of cultural connection to large religious institutions, which we in the West are losing day by day to the chagrin of others. Some to the chagrin of some to the joy of others. Okay. That's all a mouthful, but basically to say this, it's the closest thing we have to like fantasy, real life fantasy elements. So, and it's secret. There's a lot of secrets and there's a lot of, you know, things that we don't understand. The general population doesn't understand. We don't really get it. Right. And, um, there's something really kind of, uh, just inherently visually interesting about that world. And so the idea of a character plopped into that world who is a part of it and yet somehow a little bit sarcastic and a little bit aware of its foibles and at odds with it to some extent uh, is incredible, right? And then the priest characters have been written like that for a long time. Uh, and the idea that there's sort of a crusader within the church who is you know, uh, out there really doing good, uh, almost against the wishes of the church, um, is, is a really, I think, of sort of rife for exploration. And the fact that it is sort of played lightly and played funny and played with a very charismatic actor as Russell Crowe can be, and with a really good rapport and a charmed relationship that develops between him and his father, Tomas, character. Uh, I just, I was like, okay, what I really want is I want the next one, (laughs) you know, I want the next one with probably a better director and a better script. If we could get these characters in different situations, what fails this movie is the central situation, the central storyline. There's ideas there that are actually really interesting, but the whole family part of it is, it's like, we've, it's old hat. We've seen this a thousand times. We, we. We get it. It's if it hundred percent feels like a Conjuring movie, or a what's the one that Bob uh, Bob Shay's um, sister does, Lynn Shay. Are those the Insidious movies? It's like that kind of a thing, right? Paranormal investigators called in. Somebody in the family is possessed. Spooky shit happens. People puke up dead birds and all the like. There's like we've seen all this sort of stuff, and it goes full CGI and cartoon and stretched faces and all the, all the stuff that you've seen a million times. And it's done okay here. You know, it's, it's Sony and screen gems. The moment you see those two things pop up on the screen, you know, kind of what you're in for. Um, the other, the other thing here is that the hurdle for some people is going to be that the movie sort of plays it both ways where it casts the Catholic church or figures within the Catholic church 
as heroes. But the plot also revolves around the sins of the Catholic Church. And that's not a spoiler because that's in the trailers. At this, there's, there are these hidden sins of the church that are going to find them out. Your sin will find you out, which is a, a, a Bible verse. And so that's a theme that's in the movie. And that how demons use our sins and our guilt and, and our, our moral failings against us uh, to, to control us, to manipulate us, to do their bidding. That's the idea. Okay. Um, for a lot of people, again, I don't mean to offend anybody, but for a lot of people who've suffered great harm at the hands of this particular institution, it, that may be very hard for people to accept. That there's any good, any good actors, any good people, especially in Vatican City, um, at any point in time. I think, and I cannot speak to everybody's experience, what you would have to do, especially where this movie goes, this is a comic book, and I mean that in the classical sense, interpretation. This is this has as much to do with the Catholic Church as Indiana Jones has to do with being an archaeology professor. This has this 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 has nothing to do with history or archaeology or paleontology or exorcisms. This is movie land. This is movie priest in movie land where if you cast out a demon, fire might shoot out of their eyeballs. Like this is this is, you know, dark runes and hidden labyrinths. And I mean, it is, it is, it might as well be a fantasy world, right? It's somewhat, somewhat grounded enough, but it's dark and spooky castles on a dark and stormy night. There's a rapping at the door and it's, you know, it's, and, and a, a priest stands there and says, your son is in trouble. And then, you know, the powers of hell press against the gates of heaven and they shall not persevere, you know. Or the gate, you know, that they shall not overcome the gates of, of heaven. So uh, that, sort of, that sort of thing. Um, it's gothic, or at least modern gothic in a sense of what it wants to be. And it's inherently silly. I understand if you cannot separate the iconography and your experience, uh, you, you, you shouldn't see the movie. You would probably be deeply triggered. Um, and fair enough, right? Um, if you can understand this, or maybe if you're a very devout religious person, maybe this would, some of this stuff would potentially be offensive. I don't think it's ever intentionally sort of making a mockery of Catholicism or Christianity or exorcisms or Jesus or demons or anything like that. Um, I'm sure there are people in leagues around the world who might feel different, but I, I don't feel that. I, you could say it's being exploited for the purpose of making a comic book movie, and you wouldn't be wrong. It's like, it, it, it's like if Constantine and Columbo had a kid. That's kind of what this movie is. Um, and that kid had a, a real, I guess Columbo, a real wry sense of humor. Um, trying to think of what else. Uh, what, what can I say as I wrap it up here, the, the non-patron side of this? Um, yeah, I'll, just, I'll give you an overview of the plot really quick. And I'll give you my score and my recommendation. Overview of the plot is, is uh, what you've seen a million times before. There's a mom and two kids. The dad's dead. Died in a car accident. We love killing parents in car accidents now. And we love doing it when at least one of the kids is in the car. So you got that trope. And the, the son has not spoken in a year. Traumatized kid. The older daughter is very rebellious. She's a teenager. And this is where it gets real goofy. And it's just, it's such thin story to get us into this spooky house. It turns out that the wife's dead husband 
had in his lineage, in his generational family wealth, I guess, was the owner of a of a of an abbey, a deconsecrated abbey in Spain that has sat since the 15th century at the very least, rotting, apparently. Uh, and um, has sat rotting, and as this is now their only inheritance, only source of income, this woman chooses to renovate this abbey for the purpose of basically flipping it, and this is like 1986, 87, uh, actually. And, but it's not enough to flip it because they have nowhere to go. She has to move her family to Spain, her and her two young kids, to live in this house that hasn't seen the light of day in millennia. And, and, and they're going to live in this house as it's being, as historical restoration and repair work is being done. And by the, when they arrive, it's as if not a single cobweb has been disturbed in this dark, spooky house, even though there is a large crew of, of workers there working on it. So somehow they're going to live in the midst of a epically proportioned historical restoration. Now, if you don't have any money, how are you affording a historical restoration of a centuries-old abbey? Maybe she got a loan, okay? And the idea is when it's done, we'll be able to flip it and we'll be able to live off of the wealth, whatever. doesn't make any sense. Bottom line is, the abbey is a site of horrific evils from the past and sins that involve the Catholic Church in the past. And... There's the construction activity disturbs the lair of a demon. The demon gets into a boy. The demon calls for Father Gabriel specifically and wants him there for nefarious purposes and tricks and manipulations and crafty, you know, fiery darts of the enemy ensue. That is, you know, that's, that's the movie. And can Father Gabriel figure it out? In, and in the meantime, can he keep everybody safe? Which is really kind of what's really at stake is it's not really at stake whether or not he's going to be victorious. It, the real question the movie proposes to you is at what cost? And that's where the tension comes from. If you're going to this expecting like The Exorcist, because it's called The Pope's Exorcist, uh, you're off. You're off the mark. You're going to be horribly disappointed. I could see as many people going to see this and thinking this is absolute laughable garbage. And hating it, as I see as many people going, this was not a laugh riot hoot because again, I think that central story it they do they do such a bare minimum, and then there's a certain point at which the movie almost makes a deal with you, and it's like, okay, you, you get this part right, like you get what we're doing here, and you're like, yeah, and they're like, okay, all right, uh, none of these characters are going to speak anymore. <laughs> there's going to be no more dialogue from this family. For the next 45 minutes. Are you cool with that? And you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty cool with that. And then the movie's going to just be like, okay, fuck that family. Now we're just going to go on with this, these, you know, uh, 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 Pancho Villa here and, and Don Quixote, the priest. And that's what you, that's what you end up with. Um, if you can kind of accept it on those terms and, and almost accept it as a pilot <laughs> for a, Catholic Church National Treasure series of films about a demon hunter priest played by a very silly Russell Crowe doing a hilarious accent. If that's up your alley, which it's up mine, um, then I, you, you'll get some enjoyment out of it. It's not bad. It's just 
it's not a horror movie. It is rated R, and there's blood and guts and gore and boobs and nudity and profanity. Um, so they don't shy away from it, but like an R-rated National Treasure Columbo Exorcist series of films? What the hell? What am I doing on a Thursday night? So, um, yeah, I, I'd really like to see somebody else write another version of this with keep the father characters the same and just write a better mystery, a better uh, uh, case to solve around them. And I think that you might, you might, you might end up with a pretty decent movie. I don't know if this movie is going to do well at the box office. Uh, it remains to be seen, but there's some strong contenders out there right now. And I don't know, this one just doesn't feel like it's going to light up the world, but I've been wrong before. So, uh, as far as a recommendation would go, it, I would say it depends on your expectations and what you're in the mood for. As far as a score would go, I would give it a 3.5 out of 5. You know, if we're doing a letterbox score, give it a 3.5 out of 5. I, I just want more. I want, I want, again, those characters, something more, something different. Okay, that's my instant reaction. If you're a non-patron, till next time, binge on. If you are a patron, stay tuned because we're going to roll on. <laughs> 